0: It wasn't to save like last night's session for tonight. You know, I wanted to just come in hit hard about with the Holy Spirit and just preach on that and and spend some time in his presence getting ministered to. And today, because our sessions are just three sessions, I really wanted to talk about more practical things about how to walk out this continued fellowship with the Holy Spirit, how to walk out in victory. Uh, And so we're going to be doing that today. And this morning in particular, um, I wanted to talk about one of the biggest Impediments of intimacy with God. I find in my experience, uh, being in ministry, you know, one of the biggest impediments, and that is sexual sin. Sexual sin. Wow. <laughs> Actually, that's, that's a bit more of a reaction than I was expecting. I thought I was going to get pin drop silence, being like, "Really?" <laughs> you know. But man, um, I really feel like this is something the Lord has highlighted for us to, you know, talk about and think about and receive His word on. And you know, this kind of talk. You know, if we're to be honest, it's usually reserved as like a side item at retreats, like at seminars. It's like a seminar thing, right? Not necessarily a main session kind of thing. But, you know, it's my belief that in the time and the hour that we live in that, I believe, man, we're exposed to everything possible in regards to sexual immorality. You know, everything possible. And even as a youth pastor, I have junior high students. I don't know how it is in Korea Most of us don't even live in Korea, by the way. We're all in the States. But, you know, um, in the States, man, my heart breaks when I hear stories of my junior high students sharing with me that, in junior high students in in middle school. It's like a fad now. It's like a popular thing to choose your own gender, whatever gender that you are, you know? Like the whole transgender movement, um, you know, it's just taking on a new life, and, and I just feel like our generation is just being inundated and bombarded by a different worldview than what the Bible teaches us. And so it's my conviction that unless the church speaks up, unless we actually take this seriously and talk about this, uh, you know, we'll also get brainwashed <clears throat> by the culture of the world in which we live in in regards to <clears throat> our understanding of sex. But even apart from that, I can't go into too much of that today. But one thing I did want to talk about today is just hidden sexual sin. Hidden sexual sin, personal hidden sexual sin. Because I believe it's one of the main ways that the enemy defiles us And cuts us down from receiving love from Jesus, loving Jesus, and growing in holiness, become more like him. You know, let me just be real, you guys. Um, You know, I find that if we cannot succeed in the area of purity and holiness, my experience tells me that it's going to affect your entire walk with God. You know? Why? Because of a word that we call shame. Shame. There is no greater source of shame, in my opinion, in many of our lives, than hidden sexual sin. And I know we we talk about shame here and there. We use it in our prayers and, you know, um, we sing it in our songs. But shame is really, man, can I just say it? Shame really sucks. It's really a bad thing. It's a terrible thing. You know, um, let me just share some things that shame does for us. Shame causes us to hate ourselves. You know, it causes us to feel dirty. You know, shame causes us to believe the lie that God is against us and ultimately causes us to run away or just give up and self-victimization. You guys, shame is really not good news it's dangerous um, and so when we in, in regards to the topic of hidden sexual sin when we shove this under the rug and keep stuff like this in the darkness and in the secret we just perpetuate greater shame and in doing so I find that we give the enemy a greater foothold resulting in us remaining in bondage not freedom greater bondage and we allow this to become a bigger problem and so I think we need to target this, guys. We need to talk about this. And we need to give space at this retreat. It's a freedom retreat to talk about this because by discussing this in public, I believe we shine the light of Jesus in these areas of darkness. And we invite healing, restoration, and eventual freedom. Amen? Amen. So, you we know, we're not talking about this because it's a, I'm trying to be sensational or because it's the morning message and maybe this will keep us awake in the morning. <laughs> you know? Okay, I lie. Maybe a little bit that. <laughs> But I, I think, man, if we're at a freedom retreat, I think there's no a- greater area, I, I think I can speak for all of us, that we would want to see freedom in our lives than hidden sexual sin. You know, it's not just a guy issue anymore, it's a girl issue, it's, it's everything. Um, and so I think it's something that we can all relate to and we can all be challenged by and encouraged. So listen, before I go any further, I want to share my testimony first because, you know, when we talk about things like lust, porn, masturbation, you know, like, already, as I just say that M word, it's like, ooh, maceration, you know? You know, it's like, ah, don't go there. You could just say porn and stop there, you know? You know, it's like, ah. Like, it's tough to get vulnerable because there's so much shame around that topic. But, you know, let me just be the first one in the room just to be vulnerable for you all and just share my struggles. And so, I don't even think some of Philly people know, like, my testimony because I don't think I've actually shared it to the church. Um, but it's something I share quite often when I speak at retreats. And stuff, but I've had a bit of history with sexual brokenness uh, leading to bondage in my own personal life. Um, man, when I was young, when I was still in elementary school, probably just in the third grade or so, I was actually sexually abused as a boy uh, by an older male cousin who was living with my family at that time, and um, and that abuse happened for many months. It wasn't just a one-time thing, um, and so that kind of messed me up, it jacked me up, as you can imagine. Um, soon after that, it, while, it, while still in elementary school While I was perusing a video rental store um, you know, I somehow stumbled across a pornographic video cover you know, At a very young age, I was still in elementary school and When I saw that, I just something just came alive in my heart And I just got hooked I got hooked um, And then when the internet age came Oh, I'm dating myself now <laughs> When the internet came, when America Online Do you guys even know what America Online is? Okay, um, yeah, you know, like, like it, was, it was a groundbreaking thing. I mean, you guys kind of were born into the internet, but when it first came out, it was like the groundbreaking thing that you can go online and like, all oh, this stuff, all this information. And honestly, one of the first things that I searched as a young kid was porn, you know, back, back in the day. Um, and so I got hooked. Um, and then later at a church camp, at a church retreat, when I was in eighth grade, this was maybe into my junior high school years, at a church retreat, some of my church friends, my, 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 my friends, you know, the guys in the room, while we are just having boy talk at that age, they actually taught me how to masturbate and how to go about it. And one of them actually did it in front of me in a church retreat room. And, um, and you know, uh, and soon I experimented myself and I got hooked at a very young age in regards to that. See guys, I'm just being real with y'all I'm just gonna, ah, you know, just share my, share my life um, And then um, the good news is that later in high school My life was just plummeting under guilt, under depression Because I was struggling with this and I was going to church I was a pastor's kid on top of that And, um, and you know, they say pastor's kids can either be really rebellious Or be really holy And for me, you know, not to like gas myself in any way But I had the reputation of being like the holy kid Because that was the only reputation I could find (laughs) To be quite honest And so um, (laughs) I I was I I, like You know um, I don't know what you guys see when you look at me right now I mean I think um, I look a bit more hip than you know like When I used to when I was younger But man when I was younger I had poor hygiene I I barely brushed my teeth I barely took showers Um, (laughs) Like I'm just laying myself out okay (laughs) Like I was not There was nothing about me that would want people To want to like get to know me or like be friends um, And so that's actually another big thing in my life Where I, I struggle with rejection a lot in youth group Like tons of rejection <laughs> 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 I'm not doing it to get your eyes But okay <laughs> um, Just being real And so again even that rejection It continued to perpetuate this dependence And this comfort in pornography And hidden sexual sin But yeah I was like this holy person And that was like the only thing I, could, I was good for Like when they had Bible Bible. Bible quizzes And Bible contests I would always be the one Be like yeah I can answer every question Well my friends couldn't And so Like that was That was the only thing I could hold to my You know my identity But here's the thing I was still struggling With sexual sin In the background And so I was I was I felt so depressed And come my sophomore year in high school My grades were just plummeting I was Totally Sucking at school Um, I was feeling suicidal You know at that age too And um, And Yeah My life was just a mess But then there was this retreat that I I had to go to because, again, I was a pastor's kid. I had no choice. I had to be dragged to these retreats. Um, And I just remembered even up to the retreat day, like, I didn't even go to church to join the bus with the kids. The bus had to come to my house to pick me up because I was playing StarCraft. And I was just hooked on StarCraft and just playing that until, like, literally I had to go to the retreat. But at this retreat, the summer of my sophomore year, man, God just met me so powerfully. He's encountered me so powerfully at this retreat. Um... Yeah, and I just remember one of the, during the break times, they had prayer rooms open. And so while my friends were just playing basketball, I decided to go to a prayer room. And this dude was praying over me. Um, and as he was praying over me, he was just saying stuff about my life that I never told anyone. You know, and one thing that he, he mentioned, and he, it's not like he said it like to kind of accuse me or to expose me. But he was like, yeah, you know, I don't know if maybe, you know, this person is, you know, looking at porn or whatnot. But the moment he said that It was like the first time in my life Where I kind of felt the fear of God And I was like Oh snap Like how did he know <laughs> You know And it was really shocking to me But at that moment I just found a freedom in my heart To finally confess For the first time To anyone in my life That this was a, this was a struggle so I remember sharing it with him And I remember he was just crying As he was listening And he prayed for me And at that retreat Just something Rose up within me Where I was just like I want to rededicate my life to God again And I want to just completely just Go all in And And get free of, of the sin in my life and, and all of that. And I was so passionate. And I remember I came back from, came back from um, that retreat experience. And it, that summer was just a pivotal summer in my life because in addition to that retreat, that's when I first got my ministry calling to be a pastor. You know, and so it was a huge summer. And I came back and I remember I was so proud of, you know, like rededicating my life to Christ and, and, and just proud of wanting to be free from sexual sin that I, sh- I started confessing it to everyone that I knew almost, you know, <laughs> like, yo, I struggle with this, man, and, 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 you know, these days, talking about this kind of stuff, see, almost celebrated in secular culture, but back in the day, that was like, it was a while ago, <laughs> you know, um, it was like, I don't want to say the ear, but, you know, it was like taboo, you don't talk about that kind of stuff, but for me, I was so, like, gung-ho about it, that, do uh, you guys know what Zanga is? <laughs> Y'all know Zanga? Okay. Old, old, old school. Before Facebook, it was Zanga. Um, I remember I put Zanga posts, and I remember I put a post of my experience at the retreat and, and then just my testimony, and I made it all like epic. Like, like, like I had the whole the, I had the background dark and had the words in yellow. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> you know, I was just like, and I used to highlight words. I used to be like, I was once in darkness, but now I'm in the light, you know? <laughs> And I, and I just went public. I just confessed my sin. And I just remember everyone just like messaging me and being like, oh my goodness, what did you do? I can't believe you did that. You shared the stuff and like, oh, you know, and, and, and even people at church, like they took me aside. They're like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you don't have to tell the whole world. But back then I was so passionate. I was like, no, I'm for Jesus. This is who I am. And, ah, you know, and, um, and so like, like, yeah, you know, that happened when I was in high school and every day I came out to Christ. But uh, to be quite honest, um, even after that I continued to struggle with porn addiction, even after that And so I'm sure some of us know how that feels to Go on a retreat, get excited, get pumped And then come back home going to stumble. a few months later That happened to me too And then later in high school, around my time, my senior year I started to experience weird feelings towards other men Towards other men and I was just like, what the heck is this? What is going on? And I just remember one time um, I was in debate club and I was preparing with my partner. And I just remember um, he came over to my house late at night and he was preparing. I just, you know, I just remember feeling really weird towards him, like this attraction towards him, like, what the heck is this? Like, no, 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 Whoop, no, this is not me. What the heck is this? And I just remember being like really spooked by it. Um, but luckily there was grace to just shove it under the rug and ignore it, and that's what I did. And then I went through college, and then in seminary, in seminary, um, all of a sudden this 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 thing, this attraction, these weird feelings, it came back in full force for like three weeks in seminary of all places. And I just remember completely losing all heterosexual attraction. I don't know if you guys know what that feels like. You know, when you just completely lose all heterosexual attraction, and the only thing I could experience was temptation to. Uh, uh, I guess what you would say, a homosexual attraction. And I remember just being so scared about that and being like, God, what the heck is happening? I'm so confused. Like, what is going on? And at the time, I was a youth pastor. And I know this sounds so bad, but I was in such a place of desperation of like, no, 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 I'm still attracted to girls. Like, I remember, I remember like, my own youth kids, I would try to, like, lust over my own youth girls. I'd be like, come on, be attracted to them, be attracted to them. And, like, it wouldn't work, work. It wouldn't happen. And I remember getting so scared and, and just so freaked out and, and just not even being able to share that with anyone, you know? I remember my accountability buddy in seminary, we were hanging out, and, and he was just sharing how I was doing, and I just remember there was so much in my heart that was going on, but I couldn't share. Um, and, and he just was just praying for me. You know, I, I, it, was, it was tough. And, and here's the thing, my seminary that I went to, it was, very, it was a very liberal seminary, and one of the things about it is that they had this big gay club. I went to a seminary, they had a big gay club, um, and, and they had a day that was called Coming Out Day. And honestly, up to that point, the pressure and the temptation was so strong, and I've never experienced any relationship up to that point so far, straight or gay, but I began seriously thinking, you know, what if it it was okay to be in a relationship with another guy? Like, that thought actually really tangibly came to my mind and my heart. It was that to that degree. Uh, But luckily, during that time, I reached out to my spiritual father in college, who was someone I could share anything with, and he was the only person I shared with during that time. And I got some counseling from him. And after three weeks of intense prayer... Somehow, by the grace of God, I can only share with you my experience It lifted off of me And I was able to somehow regain heterosexual attraction again um, And later in my life, when um, after serving in ministry I went to a ministry called IHOP Kansas City You guys know IHOP? Yeah, I, I interned there for, for three months And during that time, when you intern there One of the things they make you do is do a nine-week interhealing course And so... Um, so let me say inner healing is wonderful, it's powerful and I just encourage everyone at some point if you have an opportunity to do it, we should all do it, inner healing. And um, and even counseling. You know, I I haven't been professionally counseled before, but more and more I'm seeing that you know, we should break that stigma off of that and it's something really helpful because man, we go through life that we go through stuff, you know? And it's just wise and it's just something good. And so I'm actually thinking I haven't done professional counseling yet. I'm actually really thinking going back home and doing that. Even where I'm at in my age and and the experiences I've been through. Anyways, um, at IHOP, nine-week inter-healing course, for the first time, I I share about these struggles that I've been having with other men who chose to share about their struggles, and for the first time, I go public about it. I go back home, I share with my mom about what happened to me when I was young, when I was abused as a little boy, and how that kind of triggered and set off a chain reaction where my identity got, woo, it got just put through the washer, and I I struggled with whether I was a guy or a girl. and then on top of that, my father, he was a pastor, very strong male figure, someone that I looked up to. I wanted him to be in my life, but God bless him. Um, he wasn't just able he wasn't able to be in my life for me. And and somehow this masculinity, I eroticized in other men, and it just I, I began learning of all that stuff and I shared it with my mom and and um and my mom shared with me at that point too. It's really funny. She was like, I didn't I never told you this. But during but during a time during a time period when you were in seminary, um you know, I looked through your journal. I was like, "What?" You looked at my journal, Mom. I was like, "Mom, how could you?" <laughs> no, here's the thing. But she was like, "Your journal was open, though." I'm like, "Oh yeah, that makes it any better?" <laughs> and she and she was like, "Yeah, I, I was reading. You know, your journal was open. I was checking it out, and I was like," and she was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I read about your your struggles with homosexuality and all of that." And I was just really praying for you that week. I didn't say anything to you, but I was really praying for you, being praying for me, praying for you. And so I don't know if I should have been offended at that moment or thankful. (laughs) But, but you know, I was was thankful, you know, that my mom was praying for me, and I didn't even know. And I really do believe that through those prayers that somehow, for me at least, there was grace to kind of um, uh, recover some heterosexual attraction. Um, But listen, all throughout my life, I just want to say, just going back to hidden sexual sin, um, I've just shared my, my like, life sexual sin history with you, just vulnerable before you guys, um, and I'm hoping and I'm encouraging that maybe at some point, whether in your small groups or someone that you trust, that you can also do the same, because it's, it's, it's when you're able to share these kind of things that God really brings healing, and that God really releases freedom and a grace for all that. Um, anyways, I just want to say that, man, I've been addicted to porn um, for almost over two decades. That's longer than some of you have been alive <laughs> here in this place. And so, listen, I've been caught up in this stuff like for a really long period of time. Um, and I've struggled quite a bit with it. And I've experienced enough to say that this has dictated the terms of my walk with God. And, and that's what it does. Um, but, you know, I didn't... Here's a breakthrough part. Praise the Lord. I didn't see br- serious breakthrough, to be quite honest, until... I caught a revelation of the Father's love. Of the Father's love. Because, you know, what I realized is that I always thought I was a disappointment to God because of my own relationship with my father. Because my father was this very tough figure and, and my parents weren't the most affirming when I was growing up. They would always nitpick at things in my life. They were both, like, very perfectionists. They were both valedictorians in their high schools. They both became authors in their lives. They both became doctorates in their lives. You know, I'm just realizing that right now. Um, LAUGHTER I had have one sibling, who's a younger brother, and I was compared to all the time with him because he was like this genius, 4.0 GPA. You know, um, um, even in college, he, he like he graduated with like, almost a perfect GPA. Um, you know, just really brilliant person. Now he, he's he's about to gr- finish his residency in, in surgery and about to go into fellowship. And so my parents would always compare me with my younger brother and be like, why can't you be more like him? Why should be more like him? And you know, like. And I, I've somehow taken that, and I've tra- I totally transposed that to God, and I felt like because I couldn't own up to my parents, you know, how much more could I not, like, own up or measure up to God and his love for me? And I just thought he was always mad at me, especially with my continual struggles with sexual sin. For those of us who struggle, you know what that feels like. You know, when you struggle, you slip up, you feel like God hates you, you know? And that's how I felt all the time, and... And um, it wasn't until I read a few passages, and just one passage I want to share with you uh, this morning, Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. If you want, you could turn there. Let me just read for us. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. It's the passage of Jesus getting baptized. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately... Coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit setting upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beast. And the angels ministered to him. Let's focus on 9 to 11. This passage growing up in a Christian family, growing up as a pastor's kid, I've always just kind of run breezed through this passage many, many times. Um, But uh, there was a time um, many, many years ago where I read this passage again, and and through a pastor's counseling and through a church ministry I was part of um, that really highlighted uh, this passage, I began to see it in a fresh new light. And so this passage just says that Jesus, he's... Before he even starts his ministry, what happens to him? He gets baptized by John in the Jordan, and then as he gets baptized, a voice, the heavens part, out of nowhere, the heavens part, the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and a voice comes from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, I just feel like there there are a few passages in the Bible that God highlights i got to believe that this passage is one of the passages that God is highlighting. Because it's one of the few passages in the Bible where you see the entire trinity in one scene and one locale at the same time. Where you see God the Father, right? You see the Holy Spirit descending, and you see the Son right there together with him. So if you ever thought, like, how, how can you have the trinity at one time, one place? Here's your answer. You know, you see that. And so God's highlighting this. And God says over Jesus, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I didn't realize until later in my life that when God said this over Jesus, this wasn't when Jesus, this wasn't at the end of Jesus' ministry career where he, you know, did all this miraculous things where he raised the dead, he fed the 5,000, he walked on water, he died on the cross, resurrected, and then God was like, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. That's not the way it happened. This is early in Jesus' life. This is before Jesus really did anything. This was when he was just a carpenter. His only achievements, his only production in his life were, you know, chopping wood and making tables and chairs. But to God, nonetheless, God says, You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You see, God's criteria for pleasure and love and affirmation was not in works. It was not in doing stuff. But it was in being. Being. It was the fact that Jesus was his son. It was his son. And you see, that really jacked me up when I read that because all my life I felt like I had to measure up. I had to strive. I had to prove myself. Growing up in the family that I grew up in, having a brother that I had, that kind of brother, you know, it was just crazy. Like, I just felt I had to, I was so competitive and, you know, I had to strive, strive, and I felt like in the same way I had to strive to win God's affection, to win his love, to win his pleasure. Do you guys understand me? You know, I I really felt that. Um, And I felt like I could never do that because I struggle with sexual sin. I struggle with other areas in my life. But here in this passage, when I got the revelation, the epiphany in my heart, that God's love for me and His pleasure over me is not based on my degree to walk holy or pure, but rather that I'm just His son. I'm just His son. I'm His child. That's why He's pleased over me. That's it. It blew my mind, like like mind blowing. It blew my mind. And I realized that when I come before the Lord, even if I sin, even if I feel like I have the dirtiest hands, I I can come before the Lord. And I feel like, man, my my, my heart and my flesh and everything in me is telling me God hates you. God hates you because of what you did. I can come before the Lord and reject that and tell myself the truth that, man, God's love for me is not contingent or dependent on my performance in any way, but it's in who I am as a son. I could actually come before and say, God, you're pleased with me. (laughs) You're pleased with me. And that's when things started to change my life. At the acknowledgement of God's pleasure. Let me ask you guys, how many of you guys can come before God today with confidence that he's pleased over you? I'm telling you, for me, it was a struggle. Even getting this, even after reading this passage and incorporating the prayer language in my mouth and being like, God, you're pleased with me, it was such a struggle. Because I was like, there's no way you can please with me. Do you know what I did? And it wasn't until God had to communicate and get through it to my thick head that It's like, it's not about what you did. (laughs) It's about who you are, that I'm pleased with you. You know, Song of Songs says, you know, um, we are dark, but we are also lovely in Christ's eyes. Man, that verse set me free so much too, because I realized there's no doubt about it, I am one dark person. (laughs) Like, I am one sinful person. Like, I done stuff. No doubt about it. But there's also no doubt that I'm still lovely (laughs) before his eyes that he takes pleasure over me, that he loves me, you know? And he takes pleasure over me. And so, you guys, that's when I experienced breakthrough. That's when I began to experience victory in my walk, especially in areas of hidden sexual sin. You know, I want to kind of bring up verse 12 and 13. It says, right after that, immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. It's interesting, isn't it? God says, You're my son, with you, my love, I'm with you, I am well pleased. And then immediately after that, he gets kicked out into the desert in the wilderness for 40 days not to eat anything and to have the fight, Satan, on an empty stomach, you know, with wild beasts, you know, um, on top of that. You know, it's just like crazy. But here's the thing I think the sequence, the order of sequences of how this happens is really important, and it highlights something really powerful. You know, Jesus was sent off into the wilderness only after the encounter of the Spirit descending upon him, and the affirmation and love of the Father. Amen? The wilderness followed after the love of the Father. And you know what I believe God is trying to teach us through this passage is that oftentimes in the church we have it backwards. We try to make it through the wilderness to win the approval of the Father. Let me say that one more time. We try to make it through the wilderness to win the approval of the Father. We strive through the wilderness. We fight through the wilderness. We climb, we claw, we scratch through the wilderness to try to win the approval of the Father. When in actuality, we already have his approval. Hallelujah? We have his approval, and it's in that place of freedom that we're actually empowered to make it through the wilderness. Amen? That's the gospel. That's the good news, you guys. And so, you know, um, I, I want to say that the talk of the wilderness right now is really important for this message because I'm not promising us that, that like, hey, it's all going to be good because God's pleased with you now. No, there is a battle to fight. <laughs> Let me make no mistake. There's a battle to fight. There are costs to be paid. There are sacrifices to be made in wanting to become free. But what I don't want us to do is approach that in the wrong spirit, in the spirit of trying, you know, trying to win the Father. No, you're not going to win if you do that. The right way to go about it is what we see in this, two, in this passage right here, where it's through the love of the Father, it's through the pleasure of the Father, that there's a grace release to overcome grace release to make it through the wilderness amen amen you know and so i think we have to get one thing straight freedom freedom comes from god's pleasure not god's pressure can i just say that freedom comes from god's pleasure not god's pressure do you understand the pleasure of God or only the pressure of God? I want to th- speak to you guys, say that, listen, God is not pressuring you because you are already righteous in his eyes, made just through the blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Amen? Jesus took all the pressure off of you. We sang it in songs, but do you believe it? You know, Jesus took all the pressure off of you. You have been justified. And now because you've been justified, there is grace to be sanctified, to make made holy. You know? It's the justification that actually powers sanctification. It's not sanctification that powers justification which is a religious spirit, you know? And so, oh my goodness, my iPad just crashed on me. (laughs) Oh, no, no, it came back, okay. (laughs) Woo, I got all these notes there. (laughs) Amen, amen, just the pleasure of God, just the pleasure of God, okay. And so listen, what we have to understand is that when God sees you now, he does not see the three-letter word, starting with S, called sin. He does not see sin. He sees son. He sees child, daughter, son. He sees son. He sees Jesus. No matter what you have done, no matter what kind of depravity that you have walked in and whatnot, listen, it's not about you anymore. The righteousness of Christ now covers over you, so that when, Christ, when God looks upon you, he sees Jesus, and he's a, he loves you with the perfect love that he loves Jesus. Amen. That's good news, that's the gospel And so again, we have to kind of get this foundation Established properly um, Or else, you're gonna, we're going to go about The application points I'm about to share In a very religious, legalistic way Duty-driven, obligation-bound um, As opposed to being liberated now To pursue holiness Because you know God loves you already You can't fail in God's eyes You can go for it You know God's pleasure And not God's pressure Amen? Amen Amen. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as well throughout today. But now, with that having been said, let's just get a bit more practical now and just talk about sex just in general. And you know, I feel like all of us, my sense is that we've grown up in church and um, how many of you guys have heard messages on sex before in the church? Just raise your hand. Okay, so I kind of knew I was kind of preaching to the choir. But, um, but you know, I think one thing that we can all agree that um, I hope that we've been taught is that sex is actually a really good thing. Amen? Oh, you don't believe that. You don't believe that. Come on. Everyone say, God is good. God is good. Everyone say, sex is good. Sex is good. Amen. Amen. Sex is good because God created it. And if you malign sex, you're actually maligning God and His plans and, and His heart for you. And so, you know, that's the only one place where we come in agreement with the world, you know? The world also says sex is good, and we we agree with them, but the only issue and the only problem is that the world goes about it, you know, in rebellion against God, which leads to more brokenness, which leads to more bondage, as opposed to walking in God's plan, which leads to more freedom, more wholeness, you know, which is what God has called us to. And so look, God created sex to be something good and beautiful. He gave us sexual drives, and it's something so beautiful. And there's actually an entire book in the Bible. I'm sure we all know. That's a celebration of sex and marriage, which is. Marriage. One person said marriage, but uh, yes, the Song of Songs. You know. And so, if you've read through the Song of Songs, man, there are parts of it that make you blush because it's like, whoa, you know, like whoo, you know. <laughs> I remember I was I was taking my youth students on missions. And during one of our games, one of the punishments that I made him do is read through the book of songs. <laughs> I had to read through a passage. Um, and then I felt really guilty about it afterwards. I was like, God, I'm sorry if I've treated your scriptures with contempt. But, um, but you know, I, I think the song of songs, it, just, it really illustrates that God is very much pro-sex, all right? Um, but again, the devil has taken the gift of sex, and he's perverted it, and and, you know, we, we just see these forms of sexual immorality being celebrated in society. Um, now, here's the thing. That, the God, that God and the devil and Satan, that they fight so, they fight over how we practice sex. That they fight so hard over how we practice sex. It should tell you one thing immediately about sex. It's not just a physical issue. Sex is spiritual. It's a spiritual issue. You know, the world may tell you it's only a physical lack, and they justify their practices based on that. But don't believe it. And one thing I want to just communicate is this, this phrase. Sex is not a bot issue, it's a heart issue. You guys like that? <laughs> I came up with that recently. Sex is not a bot issue, it's not a physical issue, but it's a heart issue. No, guys, it's so true. We need to catch that. It's, a really, it's really a hard issue. It's a profoundly spiritual act, which is why when we stumble sexually, as many of us, if we've experienced that, we can tell it trips you up in the spirit. You know? For many of us, this is the rudder that determines our faith walk. When people ask, how are you doing? Let's be honest. On the, days that, on the weeks that you say, I've been doing good, it's because on those weeks that you've been walking purity, in holiness and purity, you know, in victory... But when you're like, I'm doing okay, let's be honest. Some of that is being influenced because there's hidden sexual sin in our lives, right? Okay, I'm just being honest and real because that's my experience and that's people that I talk to as well. You know, it, it really determines. It really is the determiner and, and the marker of our spiritual health a lot of times because it's a spiritual issue. Um, you know, um, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 13 to 17. Let me just read for us. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said that the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. You guys, we are one with God in spirit. But when we unite our bodies with a prostitute, when we unite our bodies with any form of sexual immorality, what's happening, it's not just a physical issue, you guys. It's not something that you can just shrug off like a scratch in your arm or that you're just trying to satisfy or anything like that. What's happening is that your very spirit, God's spirit himself, you're you're taking that and you're attaching that to something that's purely demonic, that's purely of the devil, that's purely of the kingdom of darkness. And when this happens, our spirits get compromised. It gets defiled, and that's why after we've committed sexual sin, you can find that your hearts just feel numb, hardened, and cold. And you even f- and, and and just you know, and just other stuff that comes along with that. I mean, I remember times when I would struggle with 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 sexual sin, and I'd be so irritable in certain weeks. And I'd be like, "Why am I so like short tempered this week?" You know. And I just really believe it's because I've influenced my heart. I've opened my heart. To demonic influence, by, by gorging my heart, by bathing it in this junk and in this garbage of influence. Let me just speak the facts, you guys. And so that's why we're commanded to flee from sexual immorality. It says in First Corinthians chapter six, verses eighteen to twenty. Let me just preach these passages to you guys. It says this flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have ever seen from God? You are not your own. You were bought, brought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You know, we're commanded to flee from sexual immorality. Why? Because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And why would we? You know what an honor it is to host the presence of God? You know what it is? That what a privilege it is. The glory that we have to, to, to contain inside of us. The, the glory of the one who created the universe. You know, like what an amazing thing it is. Like, like we shouldn't even think about staying close to that line of temptation. Like, we should be running as far away from that as we can. Can I get an amen? You know, we're called to flee from sexual immorality. Mm. And so, Jesus, he came to give us life and life to the full. It says in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. You know, the devil tries to trick us, and he tries to speak Whisper lies into our minds Saying that The more we get closer To that line of temptation The more we step into sin The happier that we'll be And many of us We fall into that Time and time again Only to be caught In that cycle of shame that, That cycle of just You know Addiction You know repentance And this falling again and again And we don't find that Life We don't find that abundance That we were promised But in fact We just find that In the end Our lives are being stolen from Our lives are being killed Our lives are being destroyed you know? And therefore, I think what's most important, in addition to the Father's pleasure, what's so important now here I'm giving you I'm giving us applications to make it through the wilderness right now. We've got the Father's love, we understand it at least to a degree in our hearts. I'm giving us applications now to make it through the wilderness. To make it through the wilderness, first you gotta believe that you can make it through the wilderness. Amen? Like if you look at the wilderness right now and thinking I ain't getting through that, there's no way I'm going to make it through that. I'm going to struggle with this. I'm going to be a prisoner to this for most of my adult life until I get married. But with that mindset, when you get married, you still struggle with it. You know, like if you make it, if you had that kind of mentality, that victim mentality, and not a victor mentality, you're not going to make it across. We need a vision to steer us, to guide us, to lead us through this. Um, And the vision that Christ has for us is uh, he He has come us to give us life to the full. How many of us here want to experience the abundant life? Amen? None of us want to be shortchanged or gypped out of the blessings that God has in store for us in this short life that we live. We want everything God has in store for us. And so, let's, have our, let's keep our eyes on the prize, the abundant and full life. We need a vision. to, If we want to experience the fullness that God offers for us. And so, Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen says this, When there is no vision, we cast off restraint. But blessed is He who keeps the law. Meaning, without a vision... Look, we're just going to be doing the same things over and over and over again. We cast off restraint. We cast off self-discipline. We lose the will to fight without vision. You know? Um, and so we need that vision. And so here is at the point of the message where can, can we see ourselves right now? Can you see yourself free? Everyone close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. And I want, to see, I want you to see yourself right now. In your life, I want, to see your, I want you to see yourself completely free of all hidden sin, hidden sexual sin, completely free. I want you to see yourself filled with the Spirit of God. I want you to see yourself walking holy, wholehearted before the Lord, being used by God powerfully because there's no compromise in your life. I want you to see yourself walking in abundance, in the fullness of all that God has offered for you. A lot of times, through my wrestle with with hidden sexual sin, the only way that I could overcome this is if I take a moment to take a deep breath and get a vision of myself. Pastor Joel, ministering, because I'm a pastor, ministering, preaching, preaching without any fear, without any guilt, without any thing that the devil has against me, but in complete freedom and holiness and righteousness, wholehearted before the Lord, being used by God for everything of his purposes that he wants to do. That's what would anchor me and give me hope that I could get through this, that vision. I need you guys right now to have a vision for yourself of a life where this is not going to contaminate what God wants to do. And it's not going to follow you into your families, into the families that you guys create in the future or whatever, but a vision where this is completely gone out of your life. Mm. All right, amen, amen. You guys can open your eyes. Listen, that's something very helpful to do from time to time, especially when you're in the thick of the battle, when you're in the wilderness. Sometimes when you're in the wilderness, how many of you know you just got to take a moment, take a deep breath and see the end point? You know, if you don't see it, you're just going to be stuck in the wilderness for a long period of time. Like the Israelites were stuck in the desert again and again and again. They couldn't see themselves crossing the Jordan. But you got to see yourself being able to cross the Jordan. Okay? And so, um, let me just share with you guys a few steps that we can practically take that will greatly aid us in our fight for sexual purity. And for the help of memory, these steps form the acronym FREE. Everyone say FREE. Alright, let me, let me share the first letter, F What do you think F stands for? I hear fellowship, I hear free, I hear freedom Those are great <laughs> things, we want those things, amen um, Actually, I cheated a bit here um, F, I, I put the word, the phrase, fess up Fess up, confess, confess. fess up, okay Alright, I cheated, okay <laughs> Yeah Look, this is like, <laughs> this is like the single most important factor in becoming free from sexual addiction and hidden sexual sin. We need to be able to confess it to someone. Uh, when you keep things secret, you let the enemy continue to take ownership of that area over your life. But when you confess, you open the window for light to shine in the area of darkness, and darkness scatters. And the power of the enemy over your life is weakened. Um... It's true. It's maybe a harsh statement, but I'm only here to share the truth with you guys. If you can't confess, you're not going to be able to beat this. We're holding it to yourself. So, we, the first step we need to do, and probably the most important, is we have to be able to confess our sins with each other. That's what the Bible says confess our sins to each other so that we may be healed, right? Confession is not to our shame. Actually, when you're able to confess, it shows that you have a strength inside of you, you've got a humility inside of you, you have a desire inside of you, and God honors that. He honors that hunger, and he brings healing, he brings restoration, he brings freedom. Are you able to confess? was the last time that you confessed your sins to someone that you trust and that you look up to? Um, that can help you. Confession. Okay, that's huge. Now, that's great if you hit that first letter, but it can't just be confession, Okay? Now, if you really confess and you're serious about winning this and making it through the wilderness, you got to go to letter number two, R. Okay, that's a good one, but it's not repent. no. <laughs> this whole free thing is, is just repentance in general, but R is remove everything that would trip you up. Remove everything that would trip you up. And so this is where we have to talk about the concept of wisdom in our spiritual lives. You know, wisdom is mad underrated. Mad underrated. Like, wisdom, the lack of wisdom is what causes us to lose ears in sin, lose ears in, in just continual backsliding in our lives. Yeah, I mean, you can go to retreats like this or other retreats and, and get hit by the Holy Spirit. You can manifest in every way you want. But if you don't have the wisdom to go back in your life and make changes, make alterations to your environment and do whatever it takes to walk in wisdom, you're not going to win your sin. You know, it's like it's like this, like an alcoholic, like an alcoholic can can go to as many alcoholic anonymous meetings every day, every week of his life. But if he steps into a bar, no matter how many AA meetings he goes to, how many you know he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna slip up and fall back into alcoholism again. You see, it's not a it's not it's not a, it's about like getting whatever. Impartation, it's, it's about wisdom, you know? It's about being wise. And so R has to do with wisdom. We got to be wise when we go back home. We got to be wise. Are you being wise in your struggle with sexual, hidden sexual sin? Because it doesn't just happen by itself. There's always triggers that kind of cause us to be tripped up. And we need to take time to do some reflection on what are the triggers and to follow through with that but just some more motivation that sometimes these triggers sometimes the extent to which we must remove everything it gets insane like you would think I'm so crazy for doing this right now you know like, I can't believe I'm doing this right now case in point I mean I've shared my testimony already and I believe by faith grace in Jesus Christ I've experienced victory but to this day on my phone it's wired so that I can, there's no way I can look at any porn on my phone and um, Okay, let me, let me just do this. I had a Huh? Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm an uncle now, so she's my niece. No. Okay. Um, um what I say? <laughs> Okay, and so it's 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 pass coded, right? Um guess who has my passcode? My mom. <laughs> my mom is my passcode for my phone. Okay, so usually people get really startled by that when they hear that they're like, "Oh!" But um, it's wired. My, my my iPad. It's wired in the same way that I, there's no way I can look at pornography through this. Guess who has the for my laptop? I mean, I mean my 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 my, my iPad, my pastor, and my mom, <laughs> both of them. My senior pastor. My laptop. I use a program called Covenant Eyes. Oh, some of you should write that down. That's wisdom right there. Covenant Eyes like during lunch break go look up Covenant Eyes okay for like $5 a month Covenant Eyes what they do is um, they, um, they not only give you a filter by which you can't get access but they report the sites that you visit and send it over to your accountability buddy oh. yeah right some of you the fact that you're going whoa it just shows me that in your heart you're going extreme <laughs> this is crazy I'm warned you. Th- this is what it looks like if you want to win. Like y- you actually have to be like, this is crazy, insane. Okay. Um, and guess who? Guess who the sites get sent to? My mom, and pastor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so listen, I, like, there's no way I could slip up without them knowing about it, and there's no way that you can uninstall the program without them sending an alert to people. Oh yeah, it's next level right here, you know. <laughs> but this is what it takes, you guys. So covenant eyes, like if you guys, some of you just do that, this retreat is worth it. <laughs> like you're gonna experience freedom in your life. Um, and uh, and if you want a half off code that still works, I hop you. Okay, I H O P U. Okay, just just write that down. And I'm sure I hop won't mind. Okay, if I share that. Uh, usually it's eight dollars, but it's five dollars if you do that. But covenant eyes. Um, you know, I, I got a... When I came back home to the States, I bought a PS4, a PlayStation 4. And, like, I enjoyed PlayStation 4. It was the first time getting a video game system since, like, Nintendo 64 back in the day. Because I was like, you know, I, I'm my own bachelor life now, you know, and some good games came out. But then I realized I was getting mad tempted by the PS4 because you have internet access. And so what I did was eventually, not trying to... You know, I, I eventually had to sell it. I just couldn't take it anymore. I sold it. I got rid of it. Okay? And then, um... And then, um... And then my TV, my TV is a smart TV so I have internet, uh, internet access. What I did with that was that I went to my router, I programmed it so that I took out my IP address, out of my, uh, my, my TV IP address out of the router so that my TV doesn't get internet access. And the passcode to my router, I don't know if you guys are understanding technical language with me, but uh, guess who has a passcode? My mom, okay. <laughs> yeah. So... Yo, praise God for mom. This is Mother's Day uh, uh, tomorrow, so, uh, you know, thank your moms, you know. My mom has just been, like, one of my, my, my best accountability buddies. But um, now, um, like, that's how extreme, you know, that for me, I've had to take it, okay? And to this day, I don't trust myself, you guys. I don't trust myself. I have a sinful nature within me. I don't trust myself. Um, and luckily, when you're in communion, when you're in intimacy with the Lord and your heart is already in connection with God, you, know, you just don't get tempted as much, praise the Lord. But even still, like you know, I don't trust myself. Um, Mike Bickle, the leader of I Have Kansas City, he's never looked at one page of porn in his entire life, but he still does covenant eyes just for the sake of doing it. Someone like him, you know? And so... I'm like making an appeal for covenant eyes right now. But some of you guys, we need to take extra steps. Simple confession won't do it for some of us. It just won't. Let I me mean, be real. You got to remove things that will trip you up and you got to help your stuff with programs like that. Um, Jesus says that if our eye or our foot causes us to sin, cut it off. Remove our right hand. Not your left hand, your right hand. Like your hand that you're really accustomed with and comfortable with. When your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Jesus was saying we need to be radical with sin and so that's why I'm saying you gotta think that this is crazy you know and, and, and some of you may be thinking like this is too much but it's not too much because Jesus talked about cutting off your own hand <laughs> if it means saving your body from hell cutting gouging out your right eye and so Jesus is giving, he's not Jesus is not being sensationalist I don't believe so when he's preaching that passage he's being very practical he's saying unless you have that commitment and the desire to do that you're not going to overcome. You're not going to see victory. So we got to remove everything. Okay, fess up. Remove everything. Number three, E. Enter into accountability. Enter into accountability. My encouragement to you is to find someone who is married, who has already experienced victory in the struggle, and enter into accountability with them. Get together with them from time to time, and, and have them lovingly just check up on you. How how you doing in, in in your in your thought life in your in in, in just you know, in, in that struggle. And that will be something so huge upon your life. And so, covenant eyes is a great way for me to be accountable because, you know, um, they see everything that I look at. And when we get together, we, we, we commune, we talk, and they encourage, we encourage each other. Um, enter into accountability. If you don't have an account, accountability, buddy, it's like you're trying to walk through the wilderness by yourself. You know what I'm saying? You know? Um, and if you're just by yourself, when you slip and you fall, If you don't have someone there to pick you up, if you don't have someone there to encourage you, if you don't have someone there to to give you water, to give you bread, to encourage you and and lift you up, you're going to die. You're going to be in the wilderness. You're not going to make it out. But if you have someone next to you who's a guide, someone next to you who can encourage you, sharpen you, and God has placed people in each of our lives, I believe, for for those purposes, I'm telling you, it makes it that much easier, much better to overcome and and, and get through the wilderness. Amen? Amen. And turn to accountability. Number four, finally. Enjoy God in intimacy. Enjoy God in intimacy. If we keep just running from temptation, if we're just, all we're doing is running, running, oh, something there, oh, something there, oh, something there, you know, you're going to get tired from running. You are. You know, you're going to get tired from running, you're going to get tired, and you're eventually, we're eventually going to fall if you just keep resisting. Um, let me show just a video. Do we have that ready now? Okay, check out this video. Some of us may have seen this before. I'm going to make a point through this. All right. Awareness test. All right. Here we go. This is an awareness test. <laughs> How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is thirteen. But yes, did you see the moon walking there? (laughs) 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 <laughs> Look out for cyclists That's the message of the message Of the video You guys, I just find that a really powerful video Because I think so many times um, What we're doing is You know, the thing is We just keep running from temptation But if you keep running from temptation You're going to eventually fall into it The answer to overcome sin is not running from something It's running to something and It's running to Jesus Having your eyes raise or focus upon Christ Just like your eyes were razor focused on that basketball, how many passes that make. You're like, (laughs) you know, you're like, you're like counting. You were so focused on that basketball, you didn't even notice the moonwalking bear, okay? If you didn't figure out by now in this illustration, the moonwalking bear represents Satan. It represents the temptations, it represents, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's easy to not see all that, to not see the bear, to not see the temptation, to not get tempted, per se, when your eyes are focused on Christ. When your eyes are focused on God, when you're focused on his kingdom. Can I get an amen to that? It's so true. It's so true. And so for many of us, that's why I think last night was so important. um, Because I just feel like last night what God was doing was he was just reorienting our hearts back once again to look upon him and him only. You know, I talked to one of our brothers, you know, and he was saying like, you know, God's doing something of reconnection for many of us. And the, the whole thing about this retreat, the whole key to freedom is just... Reconnecting and staying in that connection with the Lord, because if you see Him and that's and He's all you see and you're focused on that, I'm telling you, temptation what? Like you're not gonna you're not gonna get it as much. But it's those moments that we take our eyes off of Christ and maybe set our eyes on something else in life that's not as important as Christ. It can be good things too, but not as important as Christ. That you begin noticing the moonwalking bear, you begin noticing the temptations, and um, and that's when we fall. And so, last but not least, probably just as powerful as the letter F is that we have to learn how to enjoy God in intimacy enjoy God when you have tasted the goodness have tasted the pleasures of knowing him and his love for you the pleasure and the joy of being a child of God being his bride that he pursues after when you are just overcome manly in love with him I'm telling you that's deliverance right there that's freedom right there. You don't have to try so hard, because you're just you're already overcome by something else. Have, have, have you, how many of us have been in relationships in our life before in the past? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Some are like, do we have to share that? But you know, like we all had those experiences where, if we were in relationships, that you're just so in love with someone, and or it may not, it may not even be love. It could be just an attraction to someone, right? And you're like, ooh, you know, that girl, that guy. Oh, you know, you're just so like caught up that someone could say something, an insult right to your face, but you're like, what? what? You know, like, you don't even notice it because you're just so, like, happy and caught up. Oh, man, I'm going to share a story. <laughs> and so, uh, I remember my, I, I don't think Marcus was mine, but, uh, you know, you guys know Pastor Marcus, formerly on campus pastor? I lived with him for three and a half years, um, and I remember when he was dating his now wife, Anna. Um, no, they weren't even dating yet But, um, but uh, he, he was just so head over heels over her And I remember one time um, Marcus just, you know He just invited a few, a few friends, including her Over the apartment And he didn't let me know about that um, Okay, I'm an introvert And so, you know, I appreciate a heads up When people invite friends over, right? Introverts, can I get a name into that? Okay, okay, I'm not alone Okay, some of y'all like judging me Be like, you know <laughs> You know, and so I remember that day I was just a little annoyed, my, my fault and, uh, and I remember I talked to Marcus I'm like, Marcus, you gotta give me a heads up, bro I mean, like, I'm not dressing anything I'm just in my room and yet, girl's over, you know Like, you know, it's like Like, and I was so offended You know, and I was like up in his face Um, and I And, and then Marcus like, at first he got a little defensive He's like, well, I tried to da, 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 da. And I was like, no, Marcus <laughs> like, it's wrong. And then, uh and then Marcus is, all of a sudden, I could just see in his eyes, he was already so happy for some other reason. He's like, oh, okay, okay, you know what? Never happen again. Never happen again, I promise. Never happen again. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's weird. That was easy. You know, like, usually we, we, we argue, you know, but like, wow. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I promise, okay? Okay, we're going to go eat chicken now. And then, and then, and then he left. And, then, and, you know, like, he was so enamored, you know, like, over Anna that, like, other, I think he would have otherwise been like, yo, Yo, back off, you know, like, it's my apartment too You know, he would have been so offended, but he was so in love, like, it didn't even matter, you know um, And so, like, I'm using him as an example <laughs> um, And now, you know, they're expecting their first child, praise the Lord, so happy for them um, but, uh, but, you know, that's kind of a picture of, what it, of what, it, what it should look like when we are in love with Christ, Amen Like, things can get in the way, screwballs being tossed, you know, in our plans and everything. But when you're in love with Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Whether it's good stuff or just even the the bad things, the temptations of the enemy, nothing else matters. So we need to learn how to enjoy God in intimacy. It's the only place where, in that fixed and focused pursuit of God, we're going to experience true freedom. Mm. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. And that enjoyment, guys, that pleasure, it comes from nothing else other than understanding God's pleasure for you, God's enjoyment over you. It's hard to enjoy someone who you think is always just mad at you, always just out to get you, always out for your worst. But that's not who God is, you guys. God loves you. He loves you. And He calls you His son. He calls you His daughter. He will always be pleased with you. He will always be pleased with you. Yeah. Why? Not because you're some super holy saint and you've got your life together. No, because you're simply his child. You're simply his son and daughter. And yeah, he'll be disappointed at times. And yes, he feels emotions, but never forget that he loves you. And he'll always take pleasure over you. And when you get that, you catch that, and that love, you know, we have an encounter with that. I'm telling you, that propels our hearts to respond in kind. You know, they say this: it takes love to love God. You know, like it takes it takes the love of God to love God. You know, it's through God loving us first that we're able to respond in kind with our own love. And for a long time, I just thought that was just simply that loving God was just doing things and just striving and and making things happen and making changes in my life. Um, and I, I never realized that loving God is just simply coming to a deeper revelation of just his love for me his pleasure over me his joy over me and and the freedom that I can love him that I can move his heart that I can touch him it's that enjoyment of God it's in that place when we reach when we're in that place that God turns the wilderness into an oasis he turns the dryness into springs of blessing you know um That's where God has called us to be. That's why the Christian life, yeah, it's tough. But at the end of the day, one thing that we can always count on from the Lord, we can always count on walking in a spirit of joy, no matter what you go through. Because it's not about the circumstances. It's not about things that are happening or things that are not happening in our lives. It's fixed and predicated on the Father, on His love, and Him being more than enough for us. Him being our joy. Him being our soul's sufficiency in everything that we do enjoy God in intimacy um, listen I just want to say just a few few more things just practical wisdom that I found to be very helpful you know I feel like when you've experienced freedom to a certain degree um, I know I'm talking a lot but I just want to get this out there sometimes freedom can be painful freedom can be painful. Sometimes, if you've relied on a crutch for a long period of time, like I have, like, again, I've, done, I've, been, I've been in this for a long period of time, it can get very disorienting to not have it in your life anymore. And I just, as a practical word of wisdom, we need to be prepared for that, you know? And we need to fight through that. And we need to, um, you know, uh, it takes time for God to kind of remove that out of our lives and, and for him to take that place and be our soul sufficiency and our source. What I'm trying to say is, is that. But, um, but, you know, it's just not easy. It's not easy at times, and we've got to be prepared for that. You know, a lot of that, the change is not just in, not in what we do or not do, it's in our mind. Which is why even people who are rescued from sex trafficking, they say that, like, 90% of it is in the mind. 10% is in the body. Because when they rescue these, these poor girls from the pimps and, and these industries... These girls have lived for such a long period of time traumatized by dependence on these pimps that when they get rescued, oftentimes, like, they want to go back to the pimp because they're not used to the freedom. And so, look, listen, if we are serious about this, I think it's something that God will throw out our way. You know, like, are you, are you, are you going to be willing to go through with it and, and, and experience the freedom and, and, you know, and just, like... um. And not turn back like the Israelites did, but to continue to move forward to the promises that he has for us. Um, And I also just want to say this last thing, is that God will also test us along the way. He will allow, he doesn't cause temptation, the devil does, but he will allow testing. And he doesn't do that because he wants to knock you or shake you, but he tests you so that it strengthens you. It strengthens your resolve. Deuteronomy tells us this, and this is something God's been highlighting these days in my my heart, life. Deuteronomy 8.2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you will keep his commands. And so God introduces testing in our lives because he wants to know what's in our heart, whether we will keep, whether we're really in this or we want to follow his, whether we're set on following his commands. And so, you guys, man, I've, there are times of testing, and I'm sure we all have experienced this testing and temptation. I was just like, God, just take me right now. Like, this is too much. I, and bear it where you go through the dark night of the soul as some theologians say but by the grace of God you're able to creep through it and at the end of the day you just experience a, break, a fresh breakthrough out of that testing and you just hear you know God speaking over your heart like you passed the test you know this will not have that much power over your life anymore because I've seen how badly you want this and how badly you're going for this God tests us in order to know what is in our hearts and so my question to us is uh, he's going to throw these tests. Um, But I've given us the keys now to make it through the test in the free acronym and just enjoyment of God. But when you pass these tests, I really do believe that God just releases more and more freedom upon our lives. Okay, so let me close. Praise team, you want to come on up? Thank you. Let me go back to our starting point because I, I don't want this message to be so heavy on doing stuff and application, but I want us to go back to the very source that makes all of this possible, and that, once again, is the pleasure of God. The pleasure of God. God is pleased with you. God believes in you. Do you understand the pleasure of God, or do you understand the pressure of God? Before the eyes of God, every one of us He sees us as righteous if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because you have the cloak of righteousness over you. Listen, no matter how many times you fall, even after this retreat, I say this, and I say this somewhat cautiously, but I felt permission in my spirit to say this. Look, permission to fail. I just need to say this, permission to fail. Because some of us are like, you know what? After this retreat, after hearing this word, this is it. This is the last time. This is the last time. But if our mindset is on, no, this is the last, if our mindset is in that, you're going to fall again. What we need to understand is that the question we should be asking, the declaration that we should be making is not, this is not going to happen again, but the declaration we should be making is that I need to draw closer to my first love again. I need to fall in love with Jesus again. I need to understand the Father's heart again. I need to understand his pleasure and his love again. Amen? Do you understand the pleasure of God? Or the pressure of God pressure doesn't do anything none of us like being pressured to do anything God is smart enough to know that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance it's his love and his grace his pleasure over us God takes pleasure over every one of us I just remember the story of the prodigal son the son came home dirty covered with filth garbage and when he came home, he was expecting to be to get a butt kicking from his father. He was not even expected to be called a son again. But what happens? He comes home. His father sees him at a distance. And the father shows pleasure towards the son. The father runs towards the son. He shows a crazy pleasure. He shows a reckless love. <laughs> like that song that reckless. He shows that. And he goes to his son. He just throws his arms around his son, getting all that dirt, that dirt, that grime, that crap that he was covered with from rolling around with pigs, all upon his nice, pure robe. He takes all that upon himself. He kisses his son. He kisses his son in that place of shame and depravity and, and that dirt, the pleasure of the Father. God is pleased with us. And then it's in that place that the son says, oh, father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I have sinned against heaven and on earth. And I just love the father's response. The next word in that sentence is not the father or anything, but it says, but, (laughs) B-U-T. Which means God responded in a way, the father responded in a way that was not expected. The father didn't even respond to his son. But Father, turned to the servants and said, quick, get my robe, get my sandals, get my ring. Take off his dirty coat. Put my robes on him. Put my ring on him. Put my sandals on his feet. Kill the fattened calf. We're going to celebrate. I don't know about you, but that's pleasure extra. That's the Father's love for you, you guys. He loves you. He loves you for who you are. He takes so much pleasure over you guys, each and every one of us that you won't even know or realize. And he wants us to be free from sin. Not because it makes him feel more secure because he's a holy God or whatnot, but because he loves us so much and he doesn't want us to be caught up in this and live lives as slaves to shame for the rest of our lives. But he wants us to be set free so that we can enjoy greater intimacy with God, that we can enjoy greater love with God, that we can experience the fullness and the abundance that he has in store for us, his plans, his promises, the inheritance that he has for us, that we will lose if we gave our lives, our ears to wasting away in these types of sins. Guys, because he loves us, you guys, and he wants us to walk in purity and holiness. It's because of his pleasure. And so what I want us to do right now is just While the praise team plays and they can sing a song as well I want us just to You guys know all the steps already You guys know what to do So I don't feel the need to go through that But reflect on that And I believe Holy Spirit Holy Spirit will lead you guys But let's take a brief moment right now And just say God I thank you that you're pleased with me no matter what I've been, no matter what I've been through, I thank you that you're pleased with me. Go ahead, just take a moment, and I'm going to close.